So I was noticing in the last couple of episodes, Joe, um, I, I keep feeling this this frustration coming up from you, and and I keep wanting to ask you um, to go deeper into that. I feel like there's something there, and there's something you're wanting to uh, I don't know unblock or release. Um, but it came up a little bit in the um, in the first episode we we did, and then at the end of the last episode, I could hear you like your tone of voice, and I I just I don't know what it is, but I'm wondering what your like what would you say your biggest frustration is right now with relationship or with um divine masculine divine feminine would you say is coming up for you right now um i think i think it would be the perpetual cycle of having to deal with someone's past right so what i mean by that is is when you decide that I think when you decide that you're going to start or initiate a relationship with somebody, uh, you should wipe your past clean, right? And that sounds easy enough. But my biggest frustration is, is what we're doing to each other, right? Because there are people out there that are good for each other and that can love each other and that are probably perfect for each other. But because of the traumas and all this other stuff and the selfishness and all these different things that have happened to them, my biggest frustration is, am I living in a world where we're not going to have that kind of happiness and these kinds of connections because we're so focused on what's happened to us, you know, like that we're, maybe it's just getting old. When you get older, you, you know, I don't know, but it's like, I'm, I'm one of those hopeless romantics and it's frustrating to me because I believe in it. I believe it's sacred and I believe it's spiritual and I believe it's real. And I try to make it real in every love situation I've ever been in. And each one, I'm having to deal with somebody's past. And I just want a fresh start. I just want a chance. Just give me a chance. Can you not, like, take your past and throw it away? You know? Because I think if you really love somebody, you should. You know, I think you should, if you really love someone, you should take a chance. You should overcome your fear. Now, if they let you down after that, that's different, but they sh you should at least take a chance on them. That's been my biggest frustration. Mm. Be honest with you. And then having that frustration attracts people that come into your life, like, you know, like the situation I've been in before. Well, this is why nobody's taking a chance on you because you're not man enough, you know, and all these, it's the parasite thing, you know. So, uh, I think we should all, I think we're not respecting, it's just frustrating to me to see it because I meet, like when I talk to people one-on-one -on -one, like you guys do, most people are beautiful, loving people, right? But it's the trauma and the fear and everything that they've been through when they come together 
as soon as they start feeling that love for somebody, then all that stuff comes back out and they can't just get through it. Right. They either have to like traumatize somebody, mess with them, you know, screw them up or just run away. It's, it's like, when, when did humans stop taking chances on each other? You know? Yeah. And I think like you meet all these older people that are single and, and I mean, I'm talking like seventies, eighties and they're bitter as hell. You know, and it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to get to that point. I don't. And so I feel like I got to find that person. Like I have to, it's important. It's almost like my soul mission kind of, you know, um, I feel like. Do you uh, feel like, uh, do you feel like you've been attracting the same kind of person over and over again? Um, to a certain extent, yes. And then like. To another extent, each person has caused me to grow and become a better person. So it's like, is that such a bad thing? And honestly, uh, no, I feel like that whole cycle of um, when I was the demasculine thing is over. I'm done with that. But I'm, I'm in this new uh, thing of um, acceptance, right? like acceptance of me as that person's person, you know? And it's not even, and the funny thing is, is it's really not the other person, it's me. It's all this, this stuff that happens to us, that'd probably be my second most frustrating thing is what we do to our children. We have no idea what we do to them because I'm not blaming this on my childhood. I'm a grown person. I need to take responsibility for what's going on. But this is going on because I didn't deal with those things as I grew up. When they when it didn't even have to happen if there would have been proper love to begin there in the first place. You, you know, so I don't know. It's yeah, the lack I of think love. That... Bob Marley about it, I guess. <laughs> I, I think we don't even know what our issues are, actually, until we are in relation and they come up. I, I know for myself, um, you know, I've been in like a serial monogamous for a period of time and then I've been absent or decided to like be away from relationships because I realized, oh, I have all this stuff I need to clear and work on and I don't want to be in relationship right now. And I've sort of tried all these different things or been in a relationship and been abstinent to like clear. Um, but I feel that it's only when we do take a chance on ourselves and when we clarify like what we really want and then we show up even when we're scared and we keep moving forward and keep looking at ourselves that we're even able. That's where I've found the biggest growth in my own life and in my relationships is when I don't just run away. Like it, my trigger is like when I see something I don't like or something's bad or it, it brings up a, an old trauma of mine. Um, like, I, I just want to run. I want to disappear myself. I want to move because that's been the way I've saved myself from the scary people as a child. I would, you know, roam in the forest alone or do so, like, I always kind of get out in nature. And during the pandemic, I realized, you know, there were some things that came up for me and I was like, oh my God, I can't even go for a walk right now. Like we're not allowed to be out in the neighborhood without the mask on. I don't feel safe in this neighborhood. Like all of this stuff was coming up for me and I just had to sit with it. And I 
I passed through something that I don't think I would have ever passed through if I had all my normal outlets. Like I couldn't go to my dance class. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't go to a friend's house. I couldn't go anywhere. I had to sit in the same house and deal with myself. And it wasn't very easy. And it caused me to kind of have one of those cathartic emotional moments, um, which we all hate in relationships where, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't want to sleep in the same room and you're so like having a, a, a problem, but Oh my God, it was incredible because I think it was the first time there was, there was no, you know, I don't drink alcohol, but like in the past, in my twenties, I would have smoked a joint or something like that. And like, that wasn't an option. And so like, there was nothing to numb the raw pain. And then I, I actually saw it so clearly. It was like, oh, this is all mine. Like, this is all mine. And this is all his, this is his trauma. This is my trauma. This is where we're like hitting each other with these triggers. And this is present day. And actually when I got to present day, I was like, oh, this is no big deal. And then the whole thing collapsed. It just collapsed. And both of us went to another level of relating and we got deeper and more connected. And I, I was like, wow, okay. Like I just had to sit through it long enough and not do any of my escape routes. Um, to actually, because I know, you know, all of our trauma comes from relationship and so does our healing. Like our healing doesn't really happen on our own. It happens when it's witnessed, when it's seen, when it's acknowledged, when it's, you know, truly healed um, in another relation. So you got to communicate that, like what you're talking about. If you communicate that to the person and they say, okay, this is this is what really bothers me. And this is what really bothers me. And you both are telling each other that, and you're both being vulnerable and you actually do care about each other a lot. What'll happen is you'll both go, just like you said, right? You'll both, you're like, Oh, well, we're just human and we're growing together. And that's a spiritual thing. That's good. You know, and that's okay. Yeah, and thank, thank God for like communication courses and like empathic listening and all these tools that, I don't know. I've been trained in a lot of different tools. And I think if I didn't have those tools, I know that I would not be able to clear these imprints. And, you know, most normal people aren't studying psychology or diving into self-help work uh, for 20 years to figure it all out. You know, like my boyfriend didn't do communication courses and study psychology, but yet when I'm able to find my um, process and my words and, and use like nonviolent communication and really like stick with my own process. It's incredible. It's like, he's done it too, because he's just meeting me in those places. And that's, what's been beautiful for me is noticing like you, it's not, I know a lot of women, they're like seeking that man who's done their spiritual work. I don't, I don't think that it's necessary. I think one person needs to have done enough work to sort of anchor in and be a stable force. And often the person you're um, interacting with um, is, is needing that they're seeking, like if you can model it, for example, like we are doing in the podcast, we model things by sharing our stories. And then suddenly the listener has the solution. They don't have to do the 20 years of training that one of us did to kind of come to that conclusion, right? Or to have the tools and skills to, to navigate through so much tragedy. Yeah. So like everything that, everything that 
that I've talked about so far, what I've come to learn is like, if you ever, if someone ever questions your masculinity or your spirituality, just be who you are, be a hundred percent authentic. And you won't ever have to worry about that. You won't ever have to worry about being attractive to the right person, the wrong person. You know, you don't, you don't want to attract people that don't like who you are anyway. So just be who you are. There's your masculinity. There's, there's all of it, you know? And I think spirituality is authenticity. Be true to yourself in a way, right? And um, there was actually a man that came on because when I was watching all these gurus and stuff about divine masculine and stuff, was totally different than all of them. They were talking this bad boy stuff and dominant stuff and everything. And he just comes along and goes, you know what? I'm a sensitive dude. I cry sometimes. I've cried in front of women, you know? But uh, I know what I want, and I'm not afraid to take a chance, and I'll take risks and just do brave stuff, and I'm 100% who I am, you know. And if I'm really nervous about saying something to a woman, that's what I'll say exactly the thing I'm nervous about, and I'll tell her I'm nervous. I'm that authentic, right? And the guy is extremely confident, and, you know, and you see him in his presence, and he's married, and he's happy and stuff, and it's like, why are we complicating this? Why are we breaking this down to a simple, simple formula? You know who you are on the inside. You feel it. You don't need anybody else telling you who you are. You know, the right but person to, to come to you. You need to love yourself enough to give yourself yeah. the space to be that person. And that's where I think a lot of people who have been neglected, like all of us have a similar trauma in that sense. But I think you know, if, if you've gone through a lot of abuse or you've suffered through something, then you lack the ability to, to totally honor and care for yourself because somewhere subconsciously, even if it's not a conscious thing, like consciously, yeah, of course we love ourselves and we, you know, want the best for ourselves. But somewhere in our habitual patterning, we lose our voice or we think it's not our um, like right to speak up for what we need or we just keep self-sacrificing like that's the sneakiest way it's like oh well their needs are more important than mine or they want this so i'm just going to go yeah. ahead with it because it's i'm adaptable and it's not really that important to me without even noticing like what do i need right now actually what's important for me like when we just we it's small small ways that we self-abandon that is perpetuating our own problem of we until we like notice it and say like wow i'm and you can notice this in your finances it'll show up in your health it'll show up in so many ways like if you're having a health crisis if you're having a financial crisis you're self-abandoning you have a lack of self-love period like that's what it stems from like where is it hiding it could be like something you genetically inherited or it could be a past life inheritance that you're not even aware of but when you uncover it and see it and clear it, all of a sudden, suddenly, like that, that issue is is mute. It it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I, I've grown a lot like through y'all, like talking to y'all about this stuff, because like it's my spiritual belief. Like I I believe personally, just understanding this whole idea of love, masculine, feminine energy inside us. And then coming together with a person is it's in underlying in all the mystery schools and everything in the universe. And it's extremely sacred. And I think I just personally believe until we start loving ourselves and those energies, like you're saying, as soon as you love that, that inside you, that'll come into your life. If it was meant to, I think, you know, 
You have to have a little faith. You have to stop trying to control everything and have faith in it, you know? So, yeah. Well, what is this BDSM stuff all about? Anyway, it's control, right? You know, clear the mechanism type thing. It's, I mean, sure, it's the same thing drugs is about. I want to control how I feel, you know? Like, take the good with the bad. And if you, if, if you really love a person, you'll take the good with the bad with them too, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of it too can be um, for some people the need for connection and and just I, I think in BDSM there's an awful lot of attention people are getting. You know, it's very specific directed attention. Yeah. Um, and the human mind just says, "Oh, well, this this feels good. You know, this feels special." I think what's coming up for for me right now is just um, the delicate balance between. Um, you know, wanting something and, and knowing that, and that that's, that's good. And we, we need to know what we want, you know, or like you, Joe, you know, last year saying, you know, I, I want that love. Like I want that, that love of my life, or I'm a, you know, a romantic. And, um, and I, I think um, there's such a fine line between, you know, a good friend of mine just yesterday said, the starved don't get fed. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, it made me think um, about, you know, our attachment to things. And I mean, desire is, is good. We need to know what our desire is. We need to own um, what our needs are and that that's okay. But it's almost like sometimes when we're saying we want something at the same time, there's this huge part of us that is all about denying ourselves that need. And that's why we then feel like, but I, I want this thing, you know? And so, yeah, I think for me, like, I'm needing to get really, really crystal clear on my goals and allowing that, you know, in love and other places and allowing that to be okay. Like these are my needs. Cause there's a part of me that feels embarrassed or ashamed about my needs or, um, and, and that's huge, you know, and a lot of us aren't even conscious of, of that. And so I'm trying to find that, that balance. Yeah. That's what I'm well, you, if, you, if you ever notice, like when we attract somebody, when a part, when someone's really attracted to us, when they first come in, that you probably inspire them, you probably do something for them. They accept you all for who you are at that moment. They're so enthralled with you. And usually it's because you've come to that moment in your life, like you're talking about, where you're confident, you know what you want, you're doing your thing, you don't really need this or that. And bam, that person comes in and they're just so enthralled with you. And then, but you have a deep need for connection, right? And then when that connection, like in my life, when it starts to threaten to run away, I stop becoming that person that they were so attracted to in some form or fashion, trying to hold on to this thing when I should have never just stopped becoming that person in the first place. But if somebody expresses something to you that says, hey, this bothers me or sets a boundary and it's because of who you are, then I think there's a, a real, like, there's a real um, wake-up call that we have to do. So no matter how much I love this person, are we actually compatible? You know? Like, are we compatible? And I'm not saying look for red flags all the time and keep evaluating. You'll know because incompatibility is super obvious, right? But I think we, we hold on to things that, are, that we don't need to sometimes, you know? 
That's a big one. I mean, I always wanted to write a book called People Should Break Up More Often. <laughs> because I, I came from, well, I, I think there's a lot of people that stay together, stay together, stay together, and, and it's just bad, bad, bad. Um, but also, I have, you know, fallen in love. And once you, once you do that, once you're there, if you see something that says, okay, here's some new information, and you may need to take this now and run away. Like, I won't run away. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stay in light of new information that is, you know, probably yeah. should break up now. And that hence, like, me wanting to write this book. like people so, Something that was there the whole time, you know? Yeah. Like, but, and I know people like that. My cousin, oh, she's so good at it. Like, she, she was fully in this relationship, living with this guy, had a kid, like, was going for it, believes in love, the whole thing. And then some little thing came up. Well, it wasn't little. She knew it was, it was huge. It was going to feel huge, and it was going to get bigger and bigger. And she was like, you know what? this is not going to be okay with me. We, you know, we need to move out. And she even had like a little, this guy had a kid that she developed feelings for, but she saw this situation and she said, no. And you know what? That's when you know your worth, when you know what your value is. Really, she knows her worth. She grew up with a lot of crap, but that's one thing that her dad taught her is knowing your worth. And yeah, and that's knowing your worth is good too i think but you should also like express you gotta express what you're willing to, you have to express your boundaries too you know like yeah for you, sure and i mean yeah. about what amalia was saying yes that's that's almost always the case if if you if you know you've studied consciousness or you know how to communicate with somebody it's almost always the case that if you do that the other person will meet you but there are a lot of people with personality disorders and they're still not going to meet you no matter how good your communication is just saying that's sad isn't it it really is no it's that's so true and we have to look at like what we're attracting and what where we come from and if if we do have a history of trauma or abuse or um, you know, disturbed family members, well, it's probably pretty high chances that you're going to be attracting those type of characters and you're going to stay with them a bit longer because you understand them, because you have empathy for them, because they remind you of some family member that you were born into loving. You know, it wasn't a choice if we loved our family members. We loved them because we were children and they were abusive. So, it creates this kind of trauma bond. And when it feels familiar and when it's like, we've, we have to unwrap what love is. We have to really define what love is. We have to define the kind of relationship that we want. And I think, you know, BDSM, for example, is a great way to maybe like um, release some of the trauma or acknowledge some of the trauma in small doses. But then if there's an addiction to it, and that's the only way that you can find pleasure, well, something's a miss like you're you're out of balance for sure. i mean it's just like a drug addict you could take a small amount of psychedelics and uh heal something that's been trapped inside you for for your whole life or even generations from your family and one dose of ayahuasca is going to heal that but if you start taking it every weekend well you've got an addiction problem and you're just addicted to the high and you're not really dealing with the problem you're escaping the problem so 
it's like these homeopathic doses. Like how many narcissists in a row do you need to date before you realize that it's, you're the problem, right? Like, right. Yeah. So, you're the common denominator in the equation. Yeah. Yeah. For me, yeah. it was a handful. Like I had to keep, I mean, it was always different. And what I do notice about every relationship that I've been in, it, you know, it always gets better. It's like the next version. And then there's something else that I realize, oh, this is the next level of my evolution because I need to learn how to communicate about this or I need to honor this in myself or I need to develop these kind of boundaries, you know? So it, it's easy for us to look outside and, and judge other people or judge what we're seeing or sort of point the finger. But the real work is like, what are you responsible for? And until we take the responsibility for what's going on and stop looking at the other person and then just decide like, what do I want to experience right now? What do, what do I want for my life? Well, I want a partner who, who meets me all the way. I wanted someone who's in a team with me. I want someone who's drawn, like not calling in all this drama or not throwing my emotions or changing every day from one extreme to the other. Like, needing that kind of just basic stability that's like a real relationship if you want to have a family if you want to feel like you're a family or a team with someone you need someone who's a lot more grounded and stable and if you're not attracting that then we have to look at ourselves of like right. what in us is in unstable. it's so crazy you're saying all that man God, God. it's like we left off we're picking up right where we left off because I kind of am attracting that into my life in a way, but that thing in my life is like, which I, I don't know where I, what at stage or all this. I just know it's hit there, you know, and it's like, they're doing what you're talking about. They're like, Hey, you know, we've, we're doing this stuff, but you need to take care of this. You need to take care of yourself. Like I still love you, whatever. You just take care of yourself, do this kind of thing. We're both kind of like growing together, that kind of thing. We're both pretty good teammates and it's, uh, I'm not, so sure i don't know what's what you know as far as like official stuff but that doesn't matter to i've got that stuff doesn't matter to me i start to kind of think that that plays out anyways you know in time you know well what i do want to say to you joe is like if you're really wanting for anyone listening if you're really wanting a real relationship and like family's important or a certain type of connection is important like bring it to the table from the beginning and don't pretend that you don't want that. Um, exactly, because yeah. I think sometimes we pretend we don't want it because we're trying to stay cool or we're trying to keep the connect. We're afraid the connection will be severed, but if it is severed for that reason alone, then it's just opening you to the right relation, you know, and, and that's where, you know, we, we could get better at letting go of things and just trusting more that, when we align to our hearts, like truest desire, the universe conspires for us. Um, it really does. And it's amazing how fast it moves when we're in alignment. And when we're not in alignment is when we have like hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. So there's no judgment there because we are all here to learn. This is the school of earth and we're all <laughs> being faced with hurdles every day. So it's not like there's some perfect way and some perfect formula. Um, you know, each one of you has your path, but just keep aligning like, and, and loving yourself all the while and saying no when you need to. I agree.
Well said, Amalia. Yeah, I'm just kind of bathing in that. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of just being able, you know, just having an experience and then saying, yeah, no. And then not, you know, not beating the self up for having been in that experience, you know. Just yes, live unapologetically. Well, thank yes. you, Joe, for coming on once again. It's always a pleasure to have you here with us sharing your beautiful heart and your personal stories. I know yeah, it's easy. Talking to you. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Sadia. Thank you, Amelia. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you'd like to contact us and stay in touch with us, you can find us at lovesexagenda.com. That's lovesexagenda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, Love Sex and the Hidden Agenda. Dear Iona, Gretchen.